Hey guys, Uncle Bonehead again. The episode you're about to hear is previously recorded. I think it was September something. September 24th, 2017 was when it was recorded. It's a quick, brief history lesson on trucking. And it introduces Clifford, the big red truck. So, after this episode, I'll... I'll, uh, published Clifford takes over so enjoy good morning Clifford good morning Uncle Bonehead the time is 445 a.m. it's partly cloudy in Charleston Missouri and 64 degrees You have 523 miles to reach your destination in Fort Worth, Texas before 9 a.m. With the fuel level at 73%, you will need to stop at the Love's Travel Center in Preston, Arkansas for fuel. Your coffee is now ready. (sighs) Thanks, Cliff. What's on the podcast today? I thought we should go over a little history of trucking. I've sent you some show notes. Shall I begin the pre-trip? Yes, sir. Go ahead and warm yourself up when you're ready. Processing. Engine starting. Please stand clear. All gauges are reading within normal parameters. You may begin to drive when you are ready. All right. This is going to be a fun episode. Let's go trucking nuts. Welcome back to Trucking Nuts. Uh, Just before we get started, I want to say thank you guys for all jumping in on it and downloading it and subscribing so quick. Uh, last time I looked yesterday, it's only been a week and it's already been uh, downloaded like 28 times, which is really, really surprises the crap out of me that anybody's actually interested in this. <laughs> uh, I'd like to introduce you guys to Clifford, the big red truck, doing the intro there. Uh, he is the truck that I drive. No, it is not real, but on the podcast he is real and maybe he even will do his own episode one of these days talking about maintenance or something something like that i'm not sure but anyways we're gonna go over a history of trucking today and uh it's kind of cool i found this is basically what i found on wikipedia i know some of it already but i just didn't know dates and all that but so this is on Wikipedia. If you guys want to look it up, it's uh, the history of trucking industry in the United States. I'll throw a link in the show notes. Um, back in the 19th century, before 1900, most freight transport was over overland was done by trains and you know, railroads, and the trains were efficient at moving large amounts of freight, but they could only do that to a centralized you know train yard. Otherwise, you know. It's not like a train can just like whip up the Kroger and back into the dock. So they started doing the, you know, horse-drawn carriage and wagons and things like that, which was 
fine and dandy, but it really didn't do wasn't wasn't efficient. And it wasn't until the late nineteenth century. Oh, let me find the right. Let me. I got the wrong link open. I got another date here. It was a guy that came up with the tractor trailer idea. And uh, hang on, I am totally unprepared. And uh, <laughs> this is from Hankering for History: The History of the Eighteen Wheeler. It was a guy by the name of Alexander Winton in 1896. He was an auto manufacturer, and uh, he wanted to make, you know, wanted to sell his cars, but he was having a problem, you know, getting them there. So what he basically did, he and he was the CEO of the Winton Motor Carriage Company of Cleveland, and what he basically did was he built the first car hauler, first parking lot, if you will. And uh, it was something that he, it was basically a truck that could only carry one car. And he would drive the, drive it someplace to be delivered right to the buyer's garage. But it became expensive and he couldn't you know, risk the damage on the vehicles because it took a lot of effort to get the things mounted onto the, onto the truck. So what he did was he came up with the idea of a semi-trailer which was basically an early version that could you know, hook up with a fifth wheel type type connection. I don't know if it was the actual fifth wheel that he came up with, but it was basically a skeleton of a modified tractor with a cart attached to the rear. Okay, and after that, it just kind of took off. And uh, we'll get back over here to the Wikipedia. And according to Wikipedia, it's in the 20th century is when it really took off. It says, starting in 1910, the development of a number of technologies gave rise to the modern trucking industry. With the advent of the gasoline-powered internal engine, improvements in transmissions, the move away from chain drives to gear drives, and the development of the tractor-trailer combination, shipping truck gained in popularity. In 1913, the first state weight limits for were, for trucks were introduced, only in four states, though. And it was as low as 18,000 pounds in Maine to a high of 28,000 pounds in Massachusetts. The laws were enacted to protect the earth and gravel, surface surf dirt gravel roads from damage caused by the iron and solid rubber wheels of early trucks. They didn't actually have tires. They had... They were just basically a wagon wheel with iron wrapped, you know, wrapped around the outside of it. So it was kind of, I could imagine a ride was kind of sucky. <laughs> uh, by 1914, there was al- almost 100,000 trucks on the roads already. And, uh, the, you know, the, the tires and the poor roads kept you basically to 15 miles an hour, which kind of, that would take like forever to go anywhere and it, it was world war one is when the first big boom happened from 1914 to 1918 was when the world war one was and uh during the busy war years the incre- increased congestion of railroads exposed the need for alternative modes of transport and cargo it was it was during these years when roy chapin began to experiment with the first long-distance truck shipments and pneumatic tires. That's air tires. For those of you who don't know, pneumatic means air. (laughs) 
and you don't have to worry about putting pneumatic fluid in it. Uh, Where'd he go? Uh, Two truck manufacturers that emerged during this time were a former sewing machine maker named White and one that would become a modern euphemism for, for truck. Mac, the bulldog, was born. By 1920, there were over a million trucks on, on America's road. The years beyond 1920 saw several advancements, such as improved rural roads, the introduction of the diesel engine, uh, the standardization of truck and trailer sizes, along with the fifth-wheel coupling systems were greatly improved, power-assisted brakes and steering, and then by 1933, all states had some form of varying truck weight regulation. In the New Deal in 1933, FDR, part of the deal with FDR's New Deal was that they requested that each type of industry created a code of fair competition. This ended up taking these two two associations, one American Highway Freight Association and the Federated Trucking Association of America, they ended up merging and becoming the American Trucking Association. Uh, then the code was improved on February 10th of 1934. By May 22nd of 1934, the first president of the ATA, uh, Ted Rogers, became the first truck operator to sign the code. And then they created a special license plate for, for truck operators that comply, were in compliance with the code. In 1935, Congress passed the Motor Carrier Act, which replaced the Code of Competition and authorizes the Interstate Commerce Commission to regulate the trucking industry. Based on recommendations given by the now abolished ICC, they're no longer there, we've got the FHWA now, Congress enacted the first hours of service regulations in 1938, limiting the driving hours of truck and bus drivers. In 1941, the ICC reported that inconsistent weight limitations imposed by the states were a hindrance to effective interstate commerce. So they... Didn't change that. In 1941, President Roosevelt appointed a special committee to explore the idea of a national interregional highway system. Doing air quotes here, but the committee's progress was halted by the initiation of World War II. After the war was over, the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1944 authorized the designation of what now are termed interstate highways, but did not include a funding program to build the highways. Limited progress was made until President Dwight Eisenhower renewed interest in the plan in 1954. This began a long, bitter debate between various interstates, such as rail, or interest, not interstates, sorry, such as rail, truck, tire, oil, farm, and other groups over who would pay for new highways and how. After compromises had been made, the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956 authorized the construction of the interstate highway system, an interconnected network of controlled access freeways that allowed larger trucks to travel at higher speeds through rural and urban areas. This act was also authorized the first federal maximum gross weight limits for trucks set at 73,280 pounds. 
And that same year, modern containerized intermodal shipping was pioneered by Malcolm McLean, allowing for more efficient transfer of cargo between trucks, trains, and and ships. In the, large, in the late 50s, the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, there's an awful lot of these agencies in this industry, so get used to it, and conducted a series of extensive field tests of, of roads and bridges to determine how traffic contributed to the deterioration of pavement materials. These tests led to a 1964 recommendation by the AASHTO to Congress that the gross weight limit for trucks should be determined by a bridge formula table based on the axle links instead of a state static upper limit. By 1970s, the the word the, the by 1970 there were over 18 million trucks on American roads. Now the bridge limit, the bridge law, you'll hear guys talking about it. It is still a thing where you can only have. 41 feet before between the center of the kingpin on the trailer and the center of the hub on the first axle of the trailer. So you can slide your, your trailer tandems back and forth to distribute the weight of the truck, your, your load, so that you're both legal and it rides better and it's easier to handle. We'll go over this in a future episode. Trust me. But the, uh, you're only allowed to have 41 feet currently. Uh, Pretty much the only places that do enforce it are California and over on the East Coast. Nobody else really gives a crap. So you can drive around with a 53-foot trailer stretched all the way to the back and never have a problem. It just depends on if there's a DOT cop gets all in, is somebody pissed in his Wheaties or or he dropped his grilled cheese sandwich in the scale house you know, and got hair all over it. It just depends on whether or not they're going to enforce it. It's one of those gray areas. Anyways, I digress. Back to the history. Uh, up to the 70s, the Federal Aid Highway Amendment of 1974 established a federal maximum gross weight vehicle weight limit of 80,000 pounds, which is what it is now, and introduced a sliding scale of truck weight to length ratio based on the bridge formula, but did not establish a federal minimum weight limit. Consequently, six contiguous states in the Mississippi Valley, which came to be known as the barrier states, refuses to increase their interstate weight limits to 80,000 pounds, and the trucking industry effectively faced a barrier to efficient cross-country interstate commerce. The decade of the 70s saw the heyday of truck driving and the dramatic rise in the popularity of trucker culture. Truck drivers romanticized as modern-day cowboys and outlaws, and this stereotype persists even today. Yes, it does. <laughs> this was due in part of their use of CB radio to relay information to each other regarding the locations of police officers and transportation authorities. Plaid shirts, trucker hats, CB radios, and using CB slang were popular not just with drivers, but among the general public. The decades of the 70s saw the... Uh, like, yeah, I just read that. In 1976, the number one hit on the Billboard chart was Convoy, a novelty song by C.W. McCall about a convoy of truck drivers evading speed traps and toll booths across America. The song inspired the 1978 action film Convoy, directed by Sam Pickens Path, Pickens Pa, 
After the film's release, thousands of independent truck drivers went on strike and participated in violent protests during the 1979 energy crisis, although similar strikes had occurred during the 73 energy crisis. The year 1977 saw the release of Smokey and the Bandit, one of my favorite movies, the third highest grossing film of that year, beaten only by Star Wars Episode Four and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. During that same year, CB Bears saw its debut, a Saturday morning cartoon featuring mystery-solving bears who communicate by CB radio. The start... By the start of the 80s, the trucking phenomenon had waned, and with the rise of cellular phone technology, the CB radio was no longer popular with passenger vehicles, although truck drivers still use it today. Yes, we do. Not all of us, but we do. Nowadays, it's hard to get somebody to answer you on the, on the CB, so I think, I think we've got this, I got this idea. We're going to make a, want to make a CB microphone that looks like a cell phone, and then maybe you know maybe other drivers will actually pick it up and look at it once in a while. <laughs> the Motor Carriers Act, Act of 1980 partially deregulated the trucking industry, dramatically increasing the number of trucking companies in operation. The trucking workforce was drastically deunionized. I'm sorry, resulting in lower overall pay for drivers. Trucking had lost its spotlight in popular culture and had become less intimate among drivers due to the increase of both motor carriers and truck drivers. However, deregulation increased the comp- competition and productivity within the trucking industry as a whole and was beneficial to the American consumer by reducing costs. The Surface Transportation Assistance Act of 1982 established a federal minimum for truck weight limits, which finally standardized truck size and weight limits across the country for traffic on the interstate highways, resolving the issue of the barrier states. Okay, now we're up to the 21st century. kind of short section here on on the site. It says, by 2006, there were over 26 million trucks on American roads hauling over 10 billion short tons of freight and representing nearly 70% of the total volume of freight. Many automobile, many car drivers are largely unfamiliar with large trucks, and many accidents are the result of these drivers being unaware of an 18-wheeler's numerous and large blind spots. OSHA has a limit, has determined that 70% of fatal automobile tractor trailer accidents were the result of unsafe action of the automobile driver. Uh, we're we're going to go over that really soon here because I want to really touch on the on the blind spots and the no zones on on trucks because it's a very very important subject and. Uh, yeah, I, it's. I I just don't understand some things that people do when they're driving. You know, sometimes you know, it's my biggest pet peeve. Okay, you're running down a highway, speed limit seventy, you got the cruise set at seventy, you come up on a car or or another truck, and you're doing seventy, and you're about to run over them. So you get in the left lane to go around them, and you get up there right even with them, and they speed up. So, so you're like, what the hell? So it's, and, and you sit there and you fight with them. I fight with them, you know, once in a while. And then I'll just, there's just sometimes that I'll just give up on them. 
and I'll just either get off on, off the exit or pull off on the shoulder and sit for a couple minutes and let them get down the road. But the problem is I know that they will be there when I get back up there again. <laughs> and and it sucks because you run over them at 65 and you can't pass them at 70, and it just makes you want to run them off the road. But you can't because that's illegal. And, you know, too much paperwork, you end up going to jail and all that stupid stuff. Anyways, I... I want to let you guys know you 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 can get the get this podcast not only from boneheadmedia.com but it's also now on iTunes, it's on Google Play Music, it's on Stitcher Radio, it's on TuneIn Radio and it's on Spreaker Radio. So there you go, there you got it. Anywhere you want it, Podcast Addict app, Dog Catcher, iTunes, it's in there. You know, subscribe. There's no reason why you shouldn't subscribe. And if you want to contact me for now, you can contact me at Uncle Bonehead 2017. Uncle Bonehead, that's U-N-K-L-E-B-O-N-E-H-E-A-D 2017 at gmail.com. Uncle Bonehead 2017 at gmail.com. Hit me up with any comments, questions, whatever you want. I'll answer as much as I can, as good as I can. <laughs> uh, it's somewhat of a short episode. We're only like 20, 20 minutes or so. So just a quick one. Next one's probably going to be recorded in the truck. I was going to record this one in the truck. But when I, you know, Wednesday night when I was done early, I got to looking and thinking I forgot to bring my microphone and my, my fast track. So I really couldn't record it. So <laughs> it's kind of, kind of futile to do that. And now that I've got Clifford set up, maybe Clifford's going to do his own, you know, you know, he can talk about maintenance or whatever, you know, he can do his own, own episode. And, uh, we'll see if we, we'll see if he, he joins us on every episode. Don't know if he will or not, but I thought it was kind of cool. well, We'll get out of here, and we'll talk at you later. You all be good. Be safe. Never, ever stick your finger where you wouldn't stick your face. And keep keep the shiny side up and the dirty side down. We'll see you next week. Okay, don't forget, you can find me at uh, right here on anchor.fm app. Hit me up through the messages there. You can email me at unclebonehead at pm.me. That's U-N-K-L-E, bonehead dot at pm.me. Um, look for me all over the socialist networks. Um, I'm Uncle Bonehead or Ryan Radenauer, everywhere pretty much. And uh, yeah. We'll see you guys again next time. Later.